0: Hello? Sorry, we can't come to the phone right now. It's Girls' Night.
1: Hey, girlies. Welcome back. It's Shawnee. And it's Adela. And this is Girls' night. night. We're the besties that give you the real deal on all those uncomfortable issues most people don't like to talk about. Disclaimer, we are not professionals. We are just two women providing personal opinions and experiences to help others. If you or someone you know is in need of urgent care, please contact official professionals. Suicide hotline and abuse hotline have been provided for you in the episode description.
0: So today, we're kind of going to be telling a story. And we have a friend here. Her name is Michaela. And she's going to tell us her story about growing up in a cult. So this should be very interesting.
2: Hi, guys. I'm so glad that you guys tuned into my childhood drama. But here we go. Um, No, I mean, honestly, it's awesome that I'm able to use this platform that you guys have to talk about maybe something that someone else is going through right now. Um, Or, you know, maybe if they weren't, I feel like we all can relate in different experiences in our life. So thank you guys for having me on.
0: So could you tell us a little bit, if you know how the cult
2: started? I don't know all the specifics, but I do know what started out. Um, there is a humanitarian group, um, which is a Christian group. Um, I'm not sure if you guys heard of this, but it's called Times Square Church. It's based in Times Square, New York. Um, and they started up a couple rehabilitation homes uh, within New Jersey to help women that had drug problems and they would take in their children. Um, so you would live on the property. Um, We had shared communal living. Um, We had, you know, very strict guidelines, Um, you know, and I really think in the beginning, it was a really good um, place to help women that were struggling and didn't have a place to go. Where I think a lot of this kind of changed um, throughout the years, it became a little bit more extremist and took more of a um, extremist Zionist approach. Um, So kind of more harping, if you know anything about Christianity and about the Bible, there's the Old Testament and the New Testament. So the Old Testament is a little bit more harsher on the laws. I I know you can see a lot, um, even within our politics today, about picking and choosing what scriptures they want to talk about. But they harped a lot of the ones that were extreme, uh, whether that be um, no wearing pants for women, um, no marrying in interracial relationships, a lot of those Old Testament beliefs um, were a huge part of that ministry. Um, whereas in the, Old Test- in the New Testament, it's more of you know, grace and forgiveness and kind of like your more contemporary Christianship right now. So that was definitely more instilled in the Old Testament. So that's kind of how it started. Like I said, I think it had great intentions, but I think it definitely turned off into something that was extremist. So it's Mount Hope Ministries. It's located at Oxford, New Jersey. Um, It actually closed down in 2015, was the year I graduated high school. Um, well, if you could call it high school, it was more homeschooled with huge quotation marks on that. (laughs) Oxford, New Jersey, if anyone knows, you can Google this, it is the headquarters for the KKK. So, I mean, as you can tell, it's a very diverse place, (laughs) um, but no, not really. It was sticks and woods and a couple squirrels. The camp was in total 50 acres of land. We had one single house, which was called the lodge. And that held max about 30 women and children. So it was different rooms that were converted and they had bunk beds in each. So one room can hold about six bunk beds in one room that we'd have to share. And, you know, it was kind of crazy because you didn't know who was going to be in the bunk next to you. I mean, There were a lot of people who were there for about 10 to 15 years who've been there their entire life. There was kids who were literally raised there from... Before they could even talk, so as you can imagine, like it was crazy, just people coming in and out of your lives, and just kind of just getting acclimated and adjusted to like the changes. You know, you're growing up. Uh, we had a chapel; it's called we just call it on the hill. So it was a chapel on the hill, literally it was on hill, <laughs> um, and that's where we would have our services. So three times on Sunday, we would have our daily, daily prayer meetings every single day, um, which would include devotions at 4 a.m. You'd have to work up, wake up and have devotions from 4 a.m. to 5 a.m., and then your day would begin. Now, these were mandatory devotions. The staff would come into your door, um, to your rooms, and make sure that you were up and, you know, reading the Bible or whatever material that you were reading. Thank God my mom knew I was not a morning person. I'd have the book open, and I would be sleeping, and then my mom would tap the bunk bed, and she'd be like, get up, get up, like, what, what? God, it's great. Fall back asleep. No, but yeah, it was crazy. And then, you know, Fridays, we'd have another prayer meetings. Wednesday, they would have women's Bible studies. And of course, it was all women. They would do their, you know, devotions or whatever you would call it. Um, And then we would also have our like yearly, uh, not yearly, but like Halloween, we'd have something called all night prayer meetings. So we'd go from 8 a.m. and we pray all the way to 5 a.m. in the morning, 8 p.m. Sorry, to 5 a.m. in the morning. They believed that about 12 in the morning to three in the morning was kind of like the quote-unquote witching hour. So that's when the spirits were in high effect, blah, blah, blah. So we needed to pray through the night to, you know, make sure that we were intervening on the Lord's behalf of the Holy Spirit. Um, so that was, yeah, that was my Halloween. It's, yeah, it's it kind of wild. So definitely like when I came out of college or when when I came into college, it was kind of interesting, you know, growing up, you know, being around other people. Kids in college and be like, oh, you know, I want to dress up as this and this and this, and I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to dress up as. <laughs> it was kind of crazy too. Like Wednesday was our missionary, so we worked really closely with Martyrs in Christ was a missionary organization that was like talk about like extreme missionary. Like they were like in caves in like China, like air dropping Bibles. Like it was crazy. It definitely had phobia against Islam, especially you know being Christians Allah was like oh my god we're all gonna die you know we were taught Sharia law oh my god from the ages of like when I was 16 I thought I was literally gonna die because Sharia law was gonna take over and I was gonna be like raped on the street like it sounds like funny me talking about it now but like I had such a genuine fear that like we're all gonna die like you know and it it was crazy like looking back now of what videos or what specific information was filtered to us. And of course in their eyes, they're like, this is the truth, this is the truth. But like when you're cutting and pasting information to make the storyline to fit your narrative, it's crazy like what your beliefs become. So that was a little wild. Um, We had a demonologist come one time. That was fun. Yeah, an exorcist, (laughs) Um, yeah. I don't know what the hell was happening. I don't know whether to laugh, whether to run, whether to...
1: Why'd they do it? Was it because somebody didn't believe anymore? Or...
2: I don't even remember what the basis was for Y2. I think they wanted just to know about like the uh, experience. Like We had a... Um, it was like a weird... I don't know. I feel like whatever the director, whatever like she was caught on for that week, Like that's what we were going to teach about or talk about and stuff like that. So and she was just like into like, demons that week. She woke up a random Tuesday like... Talked about demons, so I don't know. So she came, and you know, there was a lot of people. Like this one lady's fallen on the ground, like barking, and like I knew this woman for like years. I'm like, what are you doing on the ground? So like, it was a little strange for me. So yeah, that's kind of like the gist.
0: I think you might have already touched on this earlier, but what was like the specific message or purpose or like mission
2: statement? So the ministry was to help women and children from drug drug abuse. Uh, or domestic abuse. It was kind of like a safe haven for them to come. And for that, like, it sounds amazing. That sounds great. You know, they wanted to help women get on their feet again, um, you know, give them a sense of purpose in their life. And then a lot of these women were really bruised and battered. A lot of these children were from, children were from really intense situations that, you know, I thought my childhood is bad, but hearing some of these stories that maybe like this five-year-old is just talking about, I'm like, oh my God. So the camp was there to kind of take them into a safe space. Um, and kind of you know, be there for them, so that I think that that was definitely their mission statement.
0: How did you end up there?
2: So I ended up there on and off actually. So I first visited the camp when I was I was nine. My mom definitely had a I want to she didn't have any like drug problems. I mean when I was before I was born she did, uh, but you know she's been clean for I mean, as long as I've been alive, so she's she's good. But she had more of a she kind of bounced around from home to home. I would say a lot and I think that she had a very institutionalized mentality. Um, so I think that she didn't know how to live on her own and like be on her own and things like that. So, um, you know, she had a really bad situation when I was younger and they recommended that she goes to this place. Um, so we were there for about a year and then we left and then my mother um, had my brother and was with his father and things got really bad and we were taken away from my mother. And they said, you know, the only, it's either you're gonna lose your kids or you're gonna go to this place. Uh, thank goodness, one of her best friends that she's known since she was real young, um, actually directed one of these homes in upstate New York. And she was like, hey, I can get you into this place. Um, different place, like different uh, church, but they were affiliated in like a very far off form and say, hey, we can put you here. So she agreed to go, and that's how you know. Then we were there ever since it closed. It so I'd say from 2008 or nine to 2015 we were there.
1: They let you leave on your own free will the first time that you went.
2: That's the thing. No, they. It's more of a condemnation aspect. So pretty much it was, a lot of people didn't leave because they were so scared. They were like, you know, the world is such a dangerous place, blah, blah, blah. And they would harp on the, I would say, problems that these women did have. You know, if you go out again, you're going to become a drunk. You're going to lose your kids, blah, blah, blah. The world is such bad. You know, you're going to be condemned to hell. Like, you're going to fall back. You're going to backslide. You're going to be a sinner. Blah, blah, blah. So there's such a fear tactic to have these women in there. Um, they didn't have access to their money. Um, so they would take your money. No cell phones. No um, No newspapers nothing. So you were really detached from the outside world. No phone calls. If you had a phone call, it was monitored by um, one of the upper staff and it was usually about 15 minutes. They really didn't have that access. You know, you're coming in, it's such a vulnerable place and you're kind of in this fake shelter that you feel like you're thriving and succeeding and stuff like that. So they're like, you know, why would I leave? I'm doing great but not knowing that you're becoming institutionalized in a sense your kid you know you're not having access to be on your own get a job um, you know just kind of live the daily life that everyone else does um, so i think it definitely stunts would stunt them and you know you just kind of become stuck there. I mean, what money are you going to leave with when you leave, when you go out? A lot of their families aren't with them. A lot of, you know, they don't have money like that to go out and get an apartment. They don't have jobs. What jobs are you going to have in your resume? So it's kind of just like, all right, we're here.
0: So how did you end up leaving the first time?
2: Thank goodness. Um, My family lived in Jersey and they were a huge support for my mom in the beginning. Um, You know, with my mom having a lot of problems when she was younger. They've kind of been in and out of this for a while. Um, but since she was doing so well for so long, they were like, you know, we'll get you out. Um, so we stayed with them for a little bit. Um, and then my mom actually did a little bit better and got a job and like things like that. Um, but yeah, you know, thank goodness to our family who was willing to take us in at that time. That's how, you know, how we kind of got out the first time.
0: <laughs> how did you find out that you were a part of a cult?
2: I think I didn't realize I was anyone one until I it closed down and I started relating to experiences or like hearing things to other peers that were my age and being like oh that? like this is insane like this was not a normal upbringing and like you know having people who were like um, I went to a Christian university once so you know a lot of people did have those beliefs and stuff but feeling hearing that my our beliefs were so far removed from the traditional like very like Christian beliefs um, was crazy like I was like, that's so I had, like, the awakening. I was like, oh, so it's not normal? <laughs> like, I think that's when I realized.
0: What were some of the cult practices? Like, specific things, I guess, that happened to you that even later on you found out weren't normal?
2: Even, like, interracial marriages. I was told, you know, there was, like, this one verse in the Old Testament that says, like, you should be with your own kind or something like that. And it's more translated to... Um, it was definitely taken out of context, but it was taught heavily. That's actually came up to one of our purity classes. I had a purity ring and purity classes. Um, I feel like women were – this is so weird because there wasn't men on the campus. There was the director who was married, and she lived in this huge house on top of the hill. It had a pool, six-and-a-half-foot, ten-feet long, like, nice house. And she lived there with her husband and adopted five kids, who actually one of – their mom was one of the women – from the camp um so she had those five kids and so that was the only guy and there was two other maintenance guys and one thing that always like kind of threw me off was like the i guess perceived sexual like sexualization of the younger girls for example is that like i wasn't allowed to stretch arms behind your back you're just getting like a good stretch elbows out because my chest was not, and it would be provocative against the men looking back at them now i'm like there was only three guys On the camp. One's your husband. The other is like 60. I'm 13. I have mosquito bites for boobs right now. What are y'all worried about? So it it was a lot of that. It was a lot of um, extreme modesty was a huge one. Um, I mean, extreme to the level of I used to wear pleated skirts down to like my little bit of my ankles, skinny jeans. It was obviously not a lot of skinny jeans. So if I did wear jeans, it was a lot of jeans that were like two to three sizes bigger than like my actual size. So like things were always felt. I mean, I was being pulled as a child, but you know, it wasn't. You weren't allowed to show your curves and your hips. I'm like curves and hips, do I have? Like a lot of these practices i do see where they were coming from you know you might have like a lot of people who are, came off the street and are used to wearing some like some skanky outfits <laughs> so you know they were trying to control that but it was taken to such a level to i think strip them away almost of like feminine uh, like fe- what's that word femininity
0: femininity
2: yeah femininity so it was a weird thing like that um a lot of them it was a lot of like condemnation like you always felt bad about yourself and that god was the only thing that could save you so they were always harping on like your sin, your your like your your redemption, your, um, uh, pretty I don't know like any thoughts like you know that you've had like were bad and like you know and I'm sure there was so many other practices like if I talked to my mom or like talked to other friends um that have, you know grown up since they were young um, who were maybe a little bit older than me and seeing a little bit more could really see like you know a lot of like the more messed up practices that, you know, I wasn't catching on to at the time. Even thinking about it, like, now, it's, like, such a blur, kind of. Like, and I don't know, like, if that's more of, like, suppressed memories or more of, like, a trauma response. So it's kind of like, do I remember? And it's like, yes, obviously, you know, you do remember because it was there for, like, how many years is where grew up there. Um, But it's kind of like, you don't realize how messed up it was until you start talking about it. And you're like, yeah, like, (laughs) that's not (laughs)
0: I'm normal. <laughs> when you finally realized that what you went through wasn't normal what was it like accommodating to like quote-unquote real life
2: it's funny because a lot of times when I share my experiences and stuff people are like oh my god like how are you so normal like what in the world and it's like oh, am I normal let's let's dive into that no but a lot of like with people who I grew up with it's sad to see like see a lot of them are messed up in a way especially from not having outside influences becoming so like grown up like that, like, Oh my God. Um, so I think adjusting to, I honestly, I went crazy, like not crazy, like mentally, maybe that too. <laughs> but when I, you know, the camp closed when I was um, just graduated. So I was going into college, I went to Liberty university and I went buck wild. Um, think of, I mean, Everything from I didn't know what drinking was like, you know, I didn't know these things like music like, you know, I was wanted to party all the time. I wanted to um like even like sexually wise, like I was just crazy like, it was so hard to become adjusted because like you feel like you have to live up and be a certain way to like fit in with these girls and stuff like that. Or like the only reference that you have is like maybe a TV scene or a TV movie that you might've watched in secret or something like that. Like, you know, I remember the one time, um, what movie was it? Um, I think i seem seen, like, legally blonde or something like that, like, like, I was like, wow, this is the real world, <laughs> like, <laughs> and I think just trying to fit in, trying to be like that, like, you know, you overcompensate in some areas, like, you know, oh, I'm trying to be, like, normal, like, the aspect of normal when, really, when you think about it, like, there is really no normal, you know, everyone, like, now I'm coming into, like, I think a point in my life where it's, like, you know, accepting who I am and who I, who I like me to be, and I think Uh, A lot about my personality, I'm very logical in my thinking and very, like, analytical. And, like, when I was a kid, I would always watch. That's, like, one thing I remember. I always watch people, how they acted, how they responded, especially being in the camp. Like, you know, I kind of like to take the backseat and, in a way, gave me a chance to, like, read people. I think that's one of my stronger suits now. So, like, when I got into the real world, I would read a lot of people. I'd read how, like, the college girls would act. I would, you know, see what a successful person looks like or what... You know, what is not cool, what people talk about behind other people's backs. And those are kind of the things that I picked up on to, like, try to fit in. Like, okay, this person's talking because this girl looks weird because, I don't know, she's wearing a purple sock. Okay, now I know don't wear purple socks. So it, like, became, like, a weird observation period in my life that, like, I really just had to, like, take everything in. And I think that's why, like, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, you're so normal. But I think it's just because, like, it was one of my, like, survival tactics growing up as a kid, like, just to observe, take it all in and like figure out how I'm going to get through life and you know it's a blessing and a curse I think at times because I think I overly analyze things a lot I think that's how I became so well adjusted because like I said there's a lot of people that grew up with me that are not well adjusted that struggle a lot like a lot worse than me, drugs craziness Um, and, you know thank goodness and I honestly feel bad my heart goes out to them because I've grown up with these kids you know since I was little seeing that happen you know makes me thankful that I did end up being you know quote unquote normal when I got out
1: what was your biggest shock when you left whether it be cultural socially
2: my biggest shock was honestly it's gonna sound like so lame I'll give you one lame and one serious one uh, I was actually wearing like a bikini like it took me so like I still to this day can't really wear a bikini because like I feel so self-conscious about it. not self-conscious about like my body and stuff like that. Like, am I being too sexualized? Am I be like am I being too sexual? Am I putting too much out? Am I like being a whore? You know? And I think that was like one of the biggest things. Or just like talking to guys. Like my first kiss. Oh Lord. And a first kiss at the camp. So one of towards the end, one of the women had her three uh, three sons. They let them come, which is a huge thing. Like, it was like, oh, my God, I he's on the campus now, on the camp now. And I came back from one of the visitations with my family, and I just seen Camp Rock. So Joe Jonas, Nick Jonas, I was feeling it. I was like, oh, Nick Jonas is going to be, like, my my husband one day and one of her sons had like that curly hair kind of like resembled he was like punk rock so like i tried to become like emo like i don't even know what emo was <laughs> i think i had like my um aero Postel, like matching um sweatsuit and like try to like pin straight like half my bangs and was like you know really rocking out so like you remember like ds's well, they let us have DSS. Like I don't know what changed it. Like it started getting lax towards the end, I think, because they knew they were closing probably soon. But we had DSs, and we're chatting back and forth. And I said, and I don't know, how the conversation we But he was like, "Oh, um, do you want to kiss?" And I was like, "Oh my god!" And it was like check yes, check no. So like we snuck down out of our bug beds and we're by the water fountain on the near the kitchen area. The slightest peck. I don't even know if you call it a peck. It was probably exchanging air like at that point, like, and I ran back upstairs and so I found out about it. and I had to go in front of the entire church and explain why I was a harlot, why I was an adulteress, why I was seducing men. And like, it was really damaging to like my overall experience, even like you know, sexually and stuff like that, or even just like you know, my self esteem, like you know, and I had to be separated from all of the kids that were on the camp and work in this single room because I had learned on my lesson, it was a kiss, like, c- calm down. And, you know, he got to go to Disney World and stuff. And like, when I got in college, I was like, okay, like, well, you know, well, screw that. Like, I'm gonna go kiss everybody. Like, I want to see me do this. Like, you know, so it was like, I didn't in the beginning. Um, But like, one of my serious shockers was honestly seeing a normal family. When I was taken away from my mom, for the, uh, the second time when she went to the campus with my foster parents so I definitely got to experience like what a normal family is like we lived on a farm in Pennsylvania but honestly to just see I don't know like see how brothers and sisters interact um the different struggles that people go through that it's normal like I don't know like it was like eye-opening like wow like a lot of people like really do struggle like it, it's okay like I know it sounds such like a crazy thing to say but like I didn't know that everybody was pretty much going through the same experiences i thought i was just like you know kind of outcast as like this oddball in the crowd who didn't know how to be normal and i'm like well oh, like you know a lot of the girls are like you know maybe going through depression or like you know maybe this family you know they do fight together or like you know seeing just the way like the mom and dad interact and just seeing like um stability like you know especially like, being with my boyfriend now like and seeing the way his family interacts and stuff like they might have their high and low points and stuff like that but just to see a strong healthy family is like something that like definitely wowed me and like became like it helped me become a lot more secure within myself too like it's okay to have those moments and it's okay to you know you're not a sinner you're not crazy you're not going to hell like you know and I think that's definitely one of my serious like eye-opening experiences I would say
0: how did everything affect your views on religion now
2: um I am agnostic Atheist. i definitely believe that there is some connectivity between humankind i don't know if it's metaphysical i definitely believe there's like a higher a higher being but higher power whether that be in your mind like you know uh, being one with yourself or tapping into that um i don't really believe in the traditional you know jesus being born again um uh, I believe that there are historical facts. I also believe that the Bible is a good teaching aspect. Like, there's a lot of good um, life lessons, I think, that you can learn from them. You know, like I said, it's like a historical book. Like, you take, you know, obviously it says don't kill people. I think that's great. <laughs> don't kill people. <laughs> but um, I think it was definitely interesting when I got into college to get into, like, theology and to learn about different religions and stuff. Like, a lot of the religions that were told were so bad and stuff like that to hear A lot of, like, religions are very similar. Um, And by, I mean, like, Hinduism, Buddhism, uh, Islam, uh, you know, a lot of them have a lot of the same basis. Um, So, I think I kind of just abide by, do other, you know, do unto others as you would want done to you. Just live a good life, live it to the fullest. But that's kind of as far as my spirituality reaches.
1: Do you still follow any of the same practices? No.
2: No. I think... I, I throw it all out, honestly. Like I said, I, I think I really shut that part of my life out. So I think that definitely is becoming an adult. Like I have like my own practices and stuff. Like, you know, what I believe in and what I do. But no, no, not at all. I completely, I mean, the one thing about it, it taught me how to clean. And we used to have to clean every single Saturday. So we'd have white glove checks. So staff would come in and take a white glove and go over their baseboards or wherever they would check if your clothes were folded perfectly your bed was had creases on the sides um, so like that's one thing I mean I can't clean like <laughs> like nobody's business. <laughs> My boyfriend's like, I've never seen anyone clean like you. I'm like yeah.
0: <laughs> you mentioned you like ended up there because you know your mom brought you that you were a child of course somebody had to bring you there but ha- do you have any resentment towards your mom for ending up there?
2: I think a little bit. I think that's pretty natural. I think that I kind of rationalized my head that we weren't going to leave. This is kind of what it was. I just, I think one thing that definitely, if anything, like resentment is I always, when I was younger, I would pretty much look at our experiences and look at my mom and say like, I will never, ever be like that ever. And I think I tried everything in my power from when I was younger to remove myself so far from being like my mom. Like, I think that's where the resentment so I, I would say yes. I think there was a lot of resentment, not resentment of being like, oh we're stuck here, oh I hate you for bringing me here, but more of resentment of I don't want to be anything like you, near you, or, and that was a lot of emotions to process, like that I had to go through. I mean, obviously now being my mom, super close, a different thing is a different dynamic now. Um, now that I have a little, I have more control over my life, you know, boundaries and stuff like that, and, you know. Being my own person, it's definitely a different dynamic in our relationship, which is like awesome to even see grow and bloom right now. But I think that's probably the resentment that I had was, you know, people would say, Oh my God, you look like your mom, or you walk like her. I don't know, some mannerisms. And I would just like resent that so much because I was like, I'm never, ever going to be like her. And, you know, one time I was hearing someone, I think, I don't know, it was the quote, You know, you become what you hate the most. And I think. That's true, you know? If I say they're internalizing all that hate and anger, I think that that took me down a really bad path when I was about 20 to 21. And my life was, you know, I was drinking a lot. I was seeking attention from anything that would even look for me, whether it would be friend groups, whether I'd be bad. It's and it's like, I never wanted to be like her so much, but here I am following the same path that she did when she was younger trying so hard not to be like her. And it's like it gave me an eye-opening experience. And I was like, wow. Like you need to release this anger. You need to release this resentment towards your mom. You need to release this and grow and be a you know into the person you are you are meant to be. So yeah, I think that was my experience with more of like the resentment side of things.
1: Don't forget
0: to follow us on Instagram at girls night podcast underscore and on TikTok at girls night podcast.
2: School was definitely different. So I used to sit in... We, we had an open floor gym. So think of like your gym at your high school. That's all it was. And we used to roll out these wooden borders. Uh, kind of like... They were just huge slabs of wood on wheels. So we'd wore, pull them out and set up our little foldable desk. And we'd stay in those cubicles from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. That was our general schedule. I had... All of my classes were on a DVD player. So I would go I would see like my English teacher I'd switch to like English time and I'd pull out my English CD and stick it in there Matthew and it was like <laughs> so that's how I learned like it was crazy it was a lot of like self-talks a lot of these people who were our quote-unquote teachers were like literally people who came to the camp like maybe years like you know they've been to the camp so they've been at the camp for 10-15 years and we're now teachers so like there was no looking back there was no one who was had a degree in like child psychology or anyone who was like even <laughs> educated to be giving any type of advice like this like <laughs> what in the world um so looking back on that I thought that was crazy too school was definitely different yeah when I found out like I was talking to my boyfriend one day and he goes oh yeah we had to run uh, a mile every like what is it when you had to run a mile for gym was it like just once a year or something like that
0: like once or twice a year or something like yeah. that.
2: I had to run it a mile every gym class. <laughs> I didn't know that. That was crazy. That was something that was shocking. I was like, are you kidding me? I had to run a mile every single gym class? Like that was wild to me. Playing sports was a hard one. A lot of the time, you know, women are not supposed to be. It was like too manly. So basketball was like my passion. Um, I had to fight tooth and nail to even get on the um, co-op league. Uh, sorry it was like a homeschool league but they were allowed to play with public schools so like they had their own league so i was got to join it thank god but otherwise i would have they wanted me to sit at the prayer meetings and they would do crocheting so that's how i know how to crochet because we sit there and crochet blankets and like read from the bible and pray and stuff like that and i was like i want to play basketball so bad If
1: your school wasn't technically a school, how did you get into college?
2: Yeah, so that's the one thing they did right. So it was Pensacola Christian Academy. Uh, They were a little wild too, so we'd have to like sing hymns in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They were a highly accredited Christian college. They were a preparatory school. Uh, So a lot of the normal classes that I did take, I mean, I was taking like calculus in like my sophomore year. Um, like you know it was a lot of high level physics like it's the one thing like I was very advanced for my age um, and since they were an accredited recognized homeschool establishment or whatever school I got accepted everywhere because you know I had the GPA I had I took the SAT um, so thank goodness that's probably the only thing that I did. they did right was making sure that some level in some form I got some education and thank god they picked an accredited school (laughs) um so yeah I graduated and then yeah I got accepted to Liberty University I got accepted to Rutgers I got a full ride but it was unworldly looking back I could have saved so much money
1: did you pick the school or they picked it for you
2: um, so they actually did pick colleges for us. It was the one that they were affiliated with. It was called Zion Christian, whatever. It was a theology school. So they wanted you to be there to go for seminary, no accreditation. So like a lot of the kids who were older than me now had pretty much wasted about two to three years of their life not getting any accreditation. Like it was maybe like the book of Exodus was one of your classes. A lot of classes that weren't like your normal college classes. So thank God I got out of that and I was able to go to a normal college. They would send their college students or whatever to the camp to volunteer, and we had so many of them leave, break down. Um, there was one messy situation of one of them um, getting in trouble for having sex with one of the girls at the camp. Oh, so messy, so messy. One who's a volunteer, she was uh, one of our students. She was like, "I can't, I can't take it. How these kids live, the conditions of like what's happening here." Uh, in the middle of the night she booked a flight and her parents got her a flight out to Texas and she like left like there was I think that's also the eye opener of like how I didn't even know how bad it was until like people came there to like you know they thought they were doing good work they were like no this place is crazy like I gotta get out of here so yeah it was loud. yeah there was incest holidays were interesting too Christmas, Thanksgiving
1: how did you feel when you had to start over like when you got out?
2: excited I remember the day that it they announced that it was closed. We were in school as high school as a senior, so we got moved to the attic of the gym. It's a small little attic, it was probably the size of my kitchen right now, and we stuffed like eight desks in there. Um, and they said we have like bad news, like you know we just heard the camp's gonna close. And it was quick too; like it wasn't like a month, it was like a week. So I tell like thinking back, like that's how you know it was serious, like from the higher ups, like, and it, it, what happened to was a lot of the people who would volunteer from that college that they would force to do on Mount Zion, they started getting reports from what the kids were seeing when they would come volunteer, and I think that's like when it, they started catching on, but they heard, and we were like, yes, yes, like, I, we were so excited, like, it was insane like but it was also scary for a lot of the women too because they didn't know where they were going to live so they had to like help place these women quickly like they didn't even help them like get apartments or anything like that they're like you know try to find government like section eight or assistance to help you but they didn't really help them they kind of just like all right it's closed you guys got to get out and it was like such a weird experience <laughs> the one kid in my class peed on the sign the sign that when you drive down um you come into the first part of the camp um it says mount hope ministry and he like books it across the bridge like and um across the pond and then they were like Elijah what are you doing and he's like sitting there peeing on the side because he was like just so excited Like it it was chaos when they said it was closing
0: so when you were like living there was there a part of you that knew that what you were going through wasn't normal to an extent
2: to an extent yeah I was like something doesn't feel right I was like I feel like this isn't normal um but then again like kinda of what you know. Kinda of, especially but especially with kids who've been there ever since they were what babies. It's all they ever knew. That's all they ever looked you know? Obviously like one of those times that you, you do get visitation visits or you do get to go to maybe another church and go to a different youth group. You kinda of see like this is weird. Like, I don't know, you hear them talking about stuff like, Oh, do you remember like watching Shrek when you were younger? I didn't watch that till like I was and my teens, like, you know, to like college, like, you know, so I catch up on a lot of stuff. Uh, so like, I think at that point, we kind of realized we're like, mm, we're definitely the weird ones here. It's a grateful experience and kind of like sometimes mortifying experience when you think about it, but definitely allowed me to become very adaptable person, adaptable to different people's personalities, uh, how to deal with so many people's personalities, situations, survival mode, you know, got to make it work, got to make it dip, like, you know. So I think that's definitely something that I am grateful for in my life and something that I wouldn't change. Yeah, but I'm super glad that you guys had me on here.
1: Hopefully, if somebody that knows somebody is going through a similar situation or something like this, they can share your story and hopefully, you know, this spreads awareness.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and for people to know, you know, if they have been through a situation like this, that they're not alone, because I'm sure it felt very lonely to go through it. And um, I think every every time you realize you went through something traumatic that wasn't typical, it always feels very lonely. So for people to know that they're not alone and people go through so much crazy stuff and come out on top like you did.
2: You can adjust. You can, you can do life.
1: You can do it. <laughs> So, girlies, thanks for tuning in and thanks to Michaela for being our guest. Don't forget to comment on our I Hear You section if you guys have any questions or anything that you'd like us to answer at our Instagram at Girls Night Podcast underscore. Don't forget to follow us on TikTok at Girls Night Podcast and we'll see you, girlies, next Thursday for the next Girls, Girls Night. Night. Girls night.